0: Good morning, church. As we get into the word, grab your Bible and meet me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. We'll begin reading from verse 13 to 34. The road to Emmaus. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short with sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, uh, one of them, Cleopas, replied, to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of followers went uh, were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with, a, with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran to see and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them and as they sat to eat, he took bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven disciples and the others who who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has risen indeed, he has appeared to Peter. If we talk about Easter being the celebration, being the Super Bowl of Christianity, if we talk about Easter as being the World Cup final for Christianity, if we talk about uh, Easter being the NBA finals of Christianity, Luke gives us a glimpse that we can actually continue that celebration this Sunday as well. Luke takes us to this story that is recorded by no other author but him about these two men who were on their way to Emmaus. Luke kind of interviews these people. He gets to understand what Easter looked like from their perspective. Because as we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, we were all joyful, but that was not the case with the early disciples on Easter Sunday, they were filled with fear. They were terrified. As we know, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, it was at 3 p.m. That's when two men, uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they approached Pontius Pilate. They said, we need to give him burial before Sabbath starts. So Sabbath is starting at sundown and they only had three hours. That is not much time to prepare a body for proper burial. And so on Friday evening at 3 p.m., Jesus' body is laid on the tomb. Sabbath starts uh, at sundown. And the women wait till past Sabbath. And early in the morning, early Sunday morning, as the Bible records for us, Mary and the other women rushed to the tomb. They rushed to see, I mean, they rushed in because they, they they brought spices to prepare Jesus' body for proper burial. Maybe this was their point to come and grieve and have closure. And surprisingly, when they got there, this tomb that was uh, curved from the rock and had this huge stone blocking it, the stone was rolled away and Jesus' body was no more. And all they saw were just linens name. So these women instead saw two angels sitting there. And the angels asked them saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Now these women ran and bring the report. I'm trying to fast forward to get to where these two disciples come into the picture. Imagine You attended a funeral, okay? And you saw the body uh, in the casket lowered and buried in the ground. And then you go back to the gravesite and maybe you're there to pay your last respects or maybe to pray, maybe to find closure. And upon arriving, you know, the grave has been dug up. The casket is out. And the the body is missing. How would you react? This is exactly what happened on Easter Sunday when these women brought the report. So these disciples, they just couldn't process it. Their hope in Jesus, their trust, all these years that they had followed Jesus, for him to just disappear like that, They just couldn't contain it. So they decided, let's just go home. And they turned away from Jerusalem and started heading to Emmaus. Now, our message this morning is entitled, The Road to Redemption. I love this title because this is exactly what God does to us. When we process hard and difficult times in our lives, We as humans, when we're caught between a rock and a hard place, we have tendencies. So these men, their tendency was, come on, let's just go home. It's not safe anymore in Jerusalem. What caused these men to turn their back? We'll never know for sure. Maybe they feared for their lives and safety. Maybe they thought, hey, if they killed Jesus, they're coming for us too. Maybe they thought, maybe they were disillusioned Remember a few weeks ago, they had witnessed the welcoming of Jesus into Jerusalem as Jesus rode on the donkey, and everyone shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now, save us now. I mean, for them to see that crowd and their hopes being lifted really high up, they thought this is the time where Jesus will have to stick it up to the current authority. This is the time we get to stick it to the Romans, right? and gain our independence once and for all. Why? Because look at this crowd. Look at this following. Maybe they were so pumped to see a political change because Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem victoriously. And as followers of Jesus, they saw what Jesus did upon arriving at the temple. He exerted his authority by cleaning the temple, getting rid of people who had turned uh, the house of worship into a place, into a marketplace and a place for robbing other people. And so they were this solution. They thought, this is it. This is the uprising we've been waiting for. We the zealots, this is our time to rise. And then fast forward, the same crowd that was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now. They changed their tone in just a span of a few days. And now they were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And they witnessed Jesus, who was being hailed, now being crucified. And they thought, there goes our liberator, there goes our savior, there goes our political leader that we had hoped would turn things around. Maybe they were just full of despair because they had just seen their hope lying in the grave on Friday. They'd seen their hope hang on the cross, lying on the grave, and now Sunday morning, they can't even find his body. And that probably caused them to just say, you know what? I'm going back. I'm going back home. I have a question for you. Where and what do you revert to? And what causes you to revert when you process the difficult times in your life? It is just our natural tendencies to revert whenever we are caught between a, a rock and a hard place. It is just human nature. It is our tendency to be driven back to sin again. And we see this, not only with these two disciples, Look at the children of Israel. When they were delivered from Egypt and they were walking through the wilderness, they said, Moses, why, you, why did you bring us out to die here? You should have left us back in Egypt. At least we had some water and food to eat. And now you bring us out here in this desolate place to die? And this is why the Bible wants us in Proverbs chapter 26 verse 11, which says, as a dog returns to its vomit." so a fool repeats his foolishness. My friend, maybe you've been a Christian. Maybe you've been walking with God for a few days, a few months, a few years, or maybe even longer. And you are at a place where Christ is not at work in your life. And you, just like these two disciples, feel like it's time to go back home. It's time to just get back to what I am used to. The Bible says that would be foolishness to return to our old habits, to return to our sinful ways, to return to our addictive ways. That would be foolishness. I mean, have you seen a a dog throw up? It's always gross. And imagine the dog eating your back. That's exactly what you're doing spiritually when we revert to our old and sinful ways. Thankfully, God does not give up on us. As we read from the story, Jesus approaches these two, two, two disciples. And in verse 15, it says, As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you two discussing so intently as you walk? Let me pause right there. Isn't Jesus amazing? Even when these people turn their backs on him, he pursues them. When you and I turn our back on God, he still pursues us. He still follows us. He doesn't leave us to our own ways and devices. He doesn't leave us to our own messes. But he pursues us. And Jesus engages them. So the one thing that we need to know is we have a tendency to revert to our old habits and simple ways when we are left to ourselves. The second thing that we learn from, uh, from these two disciples is that we need a revelation from God. So Jesus begins to engage these two disciples who are walking away from Jerusalem, who are walking away from the community of faith. Jesus engages them. He says, guys, what is it that you're talking about so intently? And the reaction I wouldn't expect otherwise is these guys look at each other and go, dude, have you been living under the rock? I mean, as a matter of fact, yes, he was under the rock. He was buried, right? I know this joke is getting old, but you still get the point. They turn to Jesus and say, are you new in town? Are you the only one who is new in town? Haven't you heard what happened a few days in Jerusalem? There's this man named Jesus from Nazareth. He is a great teacher uh, and he did wonders. He did miraculous works and God is with him. And he had favor with God and people. And we thought he was going to change the cause of our nation. However, some of our leaders handed him over to Pilate and the guy was killed. And, you know, as um, as we were still processing all of that, just this morning, you know, some women came by and told us some amazing stories. They said they went to his tomb. And he was not there. So that, my friend, is what has happened in the past 72 hours if you've been living under the rock. And Jesus begins to reveal himself to them. God reveals himself. And we see this in verse 25. Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all of the prophets. Uh, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scripture. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus begins to rebuke them. He begins to remind them that you guys Everything you've said about Jesus is true. But the one thing that you've forgotten is you've forgotten that the scripture actually predicted that he had to suffer. And I think as a church in this period, in this season, we maybe need that reminder. I know the pandemic has put us in a rough and tough spot. And we've been looking to God as the conquering king. And Jesus begins to remind the disciples as he reminds us today that before you can celebrate him as the conquering king, we need to remember that he came as a suffering servant. Both both Matthew and Luke, even Mark and John record Jesus' interaction with his his disciples before he headed uh, for Jerusalem to be crucified. At one point, Matthew says when Jesus talked about his death, they were overcome with sorrow. At another point, when Jesus talked about his death, the gospel writers would say they were confused. And then on another instance, when Jesus brought up the subject of him dying, the disciples would either refute or change the topic. You see, they got comfortable seeing and hanging out with, the, with with this Jesus who is the Savior who had come to turn the world upside down. And they did not pay close attention to what the scripture mentioned about him coming as a suffering servant. All they were seeing were the bright and glorious days that this Messiah would bring to the nation of Israel. And they had forgotten about he hit the suffering path. And, friend, maybe this is where you're at. With everything that has happened within this past year, you find yourself mourning. What are you mourning, exactly? You're mourning the genie. You thought God and Jesus was just a genie in a lamp. All you had to do was rap. And how do you rap? Everything that you prayed for had to be answered immediately. And now you get to this place where those prayers have not exactly been answered. And your hopes and dreams are squished because of this one moment that you've reduced God to. But God, gives, God reveals himself to us that, like he did to the, uh, to the disciples. He says, remember, remember everything that the scripture says about the Messiah. All of those have to be fulfilled, including his death, burial, and resurrection. My friend, if you're still stuck on Good Friday, may I remind you, Jesus is alive. Don't be downcast. Don't be heartbroken. Because Jesus is revealing himself to us. See, God reveals himself to us through his word like he did to these disciples but also God reveals himself to us through nature. The writer of Romans chapter 1, verse 20 puts it very clearly. He says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky or the entire universe. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature so that, Man, you and I, can have no excuse for not knowing God. In this season, maybe you're reading the word of God and it's just not having that breakthrough for you. May I remind you, step out of the box. Step out of your room. Step out of your closet, your prayer closet, and go engage with God's creation. One thing that I've been enjoying this season is just hearing the sound of nature return. And it's amazing to me because when I look at God's creation, when I look at the plants, the birds, the animals, and how God takes care of them, like the Bible says, that God knows each and every one of them. He knows the number of the hair we have on our head. And it becomes very freeing for me to connect with God. And and not only does God reveal himself through his word and through his creation, today God reveals himself to us by his spirit. The spirit of God reveals to us who God is. So when you're going through tough times, when you're going through, when you hit rock bottom, God still speaks to us because Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit In John chapter 16, verse 8, this is what Jesus said. He said, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts us. I'm sure you've had moments where you've heard a message or you've heard someone talk, and for a minute you went, that wasn't you. Like, that was deeper than that. Like, you hear God speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit impressing in your heart that God has something for you to listen. So while you're heading to Emmaus, your Emmaus, whatever that looks like, the Holy Spirit convicts us so that we can turn around. And that's exactly what we see with these two uh, gentlemen. So the Bible says, well, as they reached Emmaus, Jesus pretended like he was going to go for a while and they were like, no, come in, getting getting dark. Come hang out with us. You know, come stay the night with us. And the Bible says, Jesus obliged, he came in, and when he broke bread, their eyes were opened. Friends, when God reveals himself to us, our eyes get to open. We get to see God for who he is. The beauty of God revelation is, is that in the midst of our circumstances, we get to see God for who he is. I don't know what your situation looks like. I don't know what you're struggling with. But my prayer is that you get to see God clearly through your troubles, through your trials, through your tribulation, through the tempting moments of your life. You get to see God for who he is because that changes everything. And how does it do so? Because it leads us to a place of repentance. By definition, repentance is the activity of revealing one's action, feeling contrition and regret for wrongdoings, which is accompanied by a commitment and actual actions that show proof of change for better. That is what repentance is. So repentance is not just saying, God, I am sorry for my sins. God, I am sorry for my wrongdoings. Repentance is, yes, acknowledging your sin, but also committing to a life of living otherwise. It's You would say it's literally a U-turn. So these this men actually exemplify that for us. Because in verse 34 it says, and within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 disciples and others were gathered with them who said, the Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Peter. Repentance is us making that u turn, Friend, maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Maybe God has been speaking to you. God has been cautioning you saying, you're headed to Emmaus. I don't know what your Emmaus looks like, but God has been cautioning and saying, don't do it. For the sake of your family, don't do it. For the sake of your soul, don't do it. For the sake of the relationship that you're about to break, don't do it. In light of who God is, he calls us, he calls you and I to repentance. He says, turn around. Let's head back to the cross. Let's head back to a place where you can lay your burdens down. Let's head back to a place where you can be free and free at last. If you've been carrying the weight, you've been heading in the wrong direction. This is God's call for you to turn around. Repent so that your sins might be blotted." the Bible says. The whole theme of New Testament is based on repentance. God calls us to a repentant living. One of the most fascinating technologies I enjoy is something called the GPS. Now, if there were no GPS, you and I, when you were, if you're driving, you needed a map. And you had to always locate, find your location and reroute yourself. And sometimes you missed it, sometimes you got it right. But the one thing, the, the one thing I love about the GPS is even when you've missed your turn, you just, you'll just see that rerouting, right? Recalculating, rerouting, and it gets you back to the pathway you need to be on. These two disciples exemplify for us what it means to be rerouted by God's Spirit to repent and to return to who God created us to be, a people who love him, a people who serve him, a people who he created us to have communion with. That is where God is calling you to, a place where you belong. As we come to a closure, I want you to take some time and reflect What is it that you've been reverting to in this season? And how has God been revealing himself to you? But more importantly, take the time as we respond to repent, to follow God's lead so that you and I will make it to eternal life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the price he paid at the cross. We thank you Holy Spirit, for the conviction that you bear in our hearts. Um, God, I pray um, that the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise us up as well as we live, breathe, and follow you for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, amen.